Hey, everybody, if you have been loving the show so far, we would love your support in helping us grow. You can do that by subscribing and leaving us a review when you're finished with today's episode. Thanks. I've never over-engineered my career. I've personally never been someone with a vision board that says, this is where I am now, and this is where I want to be in 5, 10, and 20 years. I've found my success has been I put my head down. I work very, very hard. I have a good attitude, and good results have come from that. Hey everyone, welcome back to She's Simply Amazing, a podcast all about sharing the stories of women that can inspire us to live a huge, beautiful, and amazing life. I'm your host, Carrie Brinton. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us again. All right, today I have got a guest who is leading right now. I was going to say one up. No, the most iconic brand in the aesthetics industry. Even if you've never been into Elay's Medical Spas, even if you've never tried this, you're going to know the company that she runs, or you're going to know one of the product lines in the company she runs. So today we are interviewing Carrie Strom, who is the Senior Vice President of AbbVie and President Global Aesthetics Allergan. Did I say all that right, Carrie? That's perfect, Carrie. That's a long time. I know we got, the, and we also have the same name and we spell it the same way. So there you go. So Carrie runs, she is the president of global aesthetics for Allergan. You may not know the name Allergan, but you are definitely going to know the line of products that she's in charge of. Botox being the number one. Juvederm, Kybella, Cool Sculpting, Skin Medica, Latisse. I know you've heard of all of them. You love them all. So Carrie is actually the first woman to be in the role of president at Allergan. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Impressive. Way to go. Prior to being in her current role, Carrie has been a senior vice president of medical aesthetics at Allergan. She has been a marketing, what was your title there? Marketing director? Yeah, head of marketing. And then prior to being at Allergan, she worked with another brand that you've definitely heard of, Lipitor. So she was the director of marketing for Pfizer for 10 years over the Lipitor brand. Carrie has a BA in communications from the University of Colorado. She is sits on several boards and is an advocate for women in business, and she's heavily involved with the organization Girls, Inc. And to top it all off, Carrie is the mother of two. You're a busy lady. I sure am. Like, you should talk, Carrie. <laughs> yeah, we're both busy women. Oh, my goodness. So I'm so excited to have you. I feel like I'm kind of fangirling out here because, to me, you are definitely someone that I admire. I'm super excited because you are representing a career path that we have not focused on yet in this podcast. We've had a lot of entrepreneurs on, but you are someone who's continued to succeed in corporate America, which is a completely, completely different animal than being a self-made business owner. So I'm so excited to pick your brain. Carrie and I have gotten to know each other fairly well over the last five, six years. She supports me in my business. Allergan is our biggest partner and just truly a phenomenal company to work with. And it comes from their people and Carrie leads those people. And she is to me, like, I really admire you, Carrie. You're amazing. Thank you so much. It means so much coming from you. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Well, why don't we start by getting to know you and who you are? Tell us about you a little bit, your interests, your likes. Okay. Well, like you said, I have a big job that I love, but the most important job I have, of course, is being a mom. I'm a mom to Bridget and Henry. Bridget's 11. Henry is eight. And I'm also a wife to Ben. So gosh, we've been married uh, 13 years now. 
And we live in Southern California, which is where Allergy Anesthetics is based. We've spent a lot of time together lately during COVID, like everybody has. And although COVID's been devastating to so many small businesses, I'm sure, Carrie, you can relate. And from a healthcare standpoint and people getting sick, there has been silver linings, which is spending time together. And so I travel a ton for my work. And for the past year, it's been really nice to be home with Ben and Bridget and Henry. We adopted a shelter dog. We did the whole COVID thing. So so I'm getting back on the road again, but it has been nice to be at home with them. What I'm missing the most though, and I didn't really realize it until it was gone, was live music and concerts. Yeah. So I'm very much hoping that we can get back uh, into groupie mode. <laughs> yeah. We watch our favorite bands. So yes, my favorite thing to do is just have a lazy weekend. Like it's Friday right now. I'm pretty excited about tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm planning to just take the dog on a walk down to the beach, maybe get coffee and a breakfast burrito. And that'll be the most exciting thing we do this weekend. I love it. And I could not relate more. When people are like, what are your hobbies? I literally feel like saying, no, really, when I'm not doing what I love, which is work, I want to just sit. <laughs> like I want to sit and I want to organize the garage. <laughs> yes. And maybe get a workout in. Right, maybe. If I feel like it in the moment, but I'm not committed. <laughs> so, okay, I, I thank you for telling us all of that. It's fun to get to know you personally because that's the side I haven't seen of you. So let's kind of go back to what does a day in the life, and then there's probably a lot of versions, but what is, the, what is a day in the life of a corporate executive of a multi-billion dollar company? You guys, it's not a small company. This is one of the biggest companies in the world who— literally leads thousands of people and is a mom to two kids that are in the heart of the busiest time, right? They're not even teenagers, guys, that can drive themselves. They're like, they're right in that time where they really need mom. What does your day look like? How do you fit this all in? How does this happen? Well, I guess the way a day looks, every day is different, of course. Yeah. So just this week, I was in uh, Dallas and Chicago now I'm back home in Newport Beach. Days, weeks like this, my husband chips in quite a bit. And of course, you know, everyone says it takes a village. We've got great neighbors and babysitters and grandparents and everybody who chips in. But on a typical day when I'm in town, I'll think about Monday. I'm going to wake up. I have a call with the international team, right? So we have a global business of 4,000 allergen aesthetics employees around the world. And we start the day early because we want to talk to the teams in the UK and Singapore and China. So I'll get, get up bright and early for that giant coffee I mentioned before, and we'll start doing business reviews. And then I do try to, my assistant and I work really closely to try to manage a certain really important time frame for me, which is 7.30 to 8.30. Okay. That's when I'm trying to get my kids out the door into school, right? And so, your assistant helps you in that moment, like manage your schedule around it? Like she is in charge of my schedule, and so she guards it, and she won't let anyone book time during 7.30 to 8.30. And of course, if something urgent emerges, it's fine. We can always make it work. But she's been so great at helping me to force that because I, I'm, I'm sort of a yes person. I'll say, oh yeah, it's fine. And she'll say, no, Carrie, you need to make sure that you can get the kids out the door, make sure they have lunch boxes packed. And, and even better, if I'm the one who can drop them off at school on my way into the office. And so that's part of this concept of work-life integration. And yeah. people talk about balance. And I sort of reject the notion of balance. Balance stresses me out. Yeah. Balance makes me think like I have to have it perfectly calibrated. And I like to think of it more as integration. And that means that I get to think about my kids when I'm in the office, which I do all the time. My 
daughter can call me if she needs something. I can say, oh, shoot, I forgot there's a birthday party this weekend and order a gift on Amazon. Uh, it also means that I can think about work when I'm at home, which I do quite a bit also. And I was at my son's Taekwondo lesson a couple weeks ago, and I was like, gosh, how does the sensei stay in business during COVID and with the kids, like touching each other? How does he manage it? And I was able to chat with him afterwards. And those insights he had made me think about LA's and other small businesses and how I, we can learn from industries on how we can do that cross-pollination of learning. Or I'm at Nordstrom and I'm asking the woman who works there, what's the hottest trend right now? And how can I apply that to trends and beauty and aesthetics? And so for me, it's about integrating it all. And that makes me feel like I'm a better overall human and mm-hmm. makes me feel more rounded out. I do feel like I'm a better mom for it. I feel like I'm a better employee for it. And it just enables me to not burn out because I'm never trying to balance things perfectly. It's just all integrated into my day. You're going to finish telling me about your day, but I want to stop right here. We're only at 7.30 and I've got a lot of questions. So I love that idea of calling it work-life integration because I agree there is no such thing as balance. And another guest I had on, she she said she kind of like tries to balance it big picture, meaning that sometimes more gets dedicated to family and sometimes more gets dedicated to work. And so it's not equal at all times. It's just that you're you have the flexibility to give to whatever area needs it. And I like the way you're saying it, integration. And that's a philosophy that we follow at Elays and, I, and we've always followed. We have, between our two companies, about 200 employees. And our kind of idea is what you were just explaining is that if you need to leave in the middle of the workday to get to a doctor's appointment, great, go for it, do it. If you need to stay home one day because your kids are home or something happened at school, great do it. No big deal. But that also means that if I need you on Friday night, I'm going to text you or try not to. But if I need you on the weekend, I'm going to call you and I'm not going to feel guilty about the fact that you're sitting at a baseball game and you're also looking something up for me on your phone, right? And and it seems to work really, really well. It's that like respect of, of people recognizing that work and family night life for most women, and maybe a lot of men too, but I think really for women, it's not two different lives. You have to integrate them all in one. So my question for you is, do you feel like that is more of a norm now in corporate America? Or do you feel like Allergan is the exception? Or have you just created that for yourself, that ability to have that integration? I think it's getting better every year. We're making progress as our generation, the men and women in our generation, are, for instance, my husband has a wife who works. And so he understands that. And so in his job, he wouldn't expect women just to work from eight to five with no balance. So I do think that there's this mutual understanding that's driving progress. I also think there's data that's emerging that shows that when people bring what we call their whole self to work, they're a better, they, they produce better. And that comes in the form of some data just around diversity and inclusion. And the more, in the case of women, the more women you have in a leadership team, the faster decisions get made, yeah. the more profitable a company is. And in order to achieve that, you need to enable everyone, women included, to bring their whole selves to work. You don't want this concept of, I have to check my mom card in the parking lot. Right. Like I, when I come into the office, I don't want people to know that I'm a mom. It's like, no, don't check it in the parking lot. Put it in your purse, bring it up the stairs into the elevator, and and it's a part of who you are. And so if you're in a meeting and your phone rings, and when it's important, right. if it's your daughter asking where her backpack is, that's different versus you're, somebody forgot to pick up your daughter at yeah. school and you have to go. Or the school's calling in the middle of the day and you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> right. 
So I guess I do think it's getting better. I, I think it has to do with leaders modeling it. And when leaders role model it, then it gives everyone permission to be that way. And exactly like you said, Carrie, it's a two-way road though. And I 100% related to what you just said. I do not worry for a minute if I have to call someone on Friday night. I'm not going to bother them, but I'm just going to take five minutes to right. do what we need to do. And it's because I know that they can do what they need to do in the rest of the week. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. Well, you said something that just caught my attention there. As you said, when women are in leadership positions, decisions get made faster. What do you attribute that to? I kind of have some, my thoughts on why that is, but what do you think? Yeah, there's all this interesting data um, on diverse companies and how they're more profitable. They make decisions faster. There's better employee retention. And I think it's because when you're in an echo chamber, sometimes it's difficult to say, well, hey, are we, are we exploring every option? Are we going to just do the same thing we always did? Versus if you have diverse opinions at the table, you're able to put them all out at once and then make a decision in real time. So there's all obviously still a ton of work to do there. And Allergan Aesthetics is you know, all in on that. But, but yeah, in, in the meantime, having diverse ex experiences, and it's not just gender and ethnicity and sexual orientation, it's experiences. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're trying to do at, at Allergan Aesthetics is we have the most talented team in the business of veteran aesthetics colleagues, but we also want to bring people in from other industries. And so they might have diversity of experience. Perhaps they haven't been in aesthetics, but they're in health, they're in a tech mm -hmm. or they're in beauty. And so then you have a group of people that can help make better decisions faster because they're bringing all sorts of opinions to the table. I love that. Very interesting. Okay, let's go back to the day in your life. So 7.30 to 8.30, we've made it that far. Is your guarded time. You, you, that is your mom time. Okay, and then so what happens once you're in the office? So I drive into the office and I only, I'm 10 minutes away. I'm, I have a commuting aversion. So okay. that was a life decision we made was to live close to the office so that we can be 10 minutes from the office, 10 minutes from the school, 10 minutes from the home. And then I'm in, I'm in, I'm in meetings. I'm talking about the business, we're talking about the brands, we're talking about the forecast, doing performance reviews with our team. Perhaps I'm out visiting customers and that's by far the most gratifying part of the job. It was a year ago, Carrie, that I was out in Utah. Has it been that long? Yeah. And that oh was, gosh. I mean, and, I mean, just that's a perfect example. That was a, a customer meeting where we had breakfast together and look at the relationship that it yeah. sparked. And so I'd say we try to have a good blend of internal and external focus. So although I'm sitting here in my office in Irvine right now, and I'll be in meetings and we'll be talking about exciting business stuff. I also try to balance it externally by talking to our customers and spending time with our sales reps in the field. Yeah, I can't say enough good things about Allergan as a company. And I mean, you guys truly are. We've said this to each of you and, and in all of your senior executives that work with us that Allergan truly is a company that just, you not only like speak the right words, you guys actually do. I mean, the fact that you would come out and have breakfast with us and you even, I have to say, when you came and sat at breakfast with us, I think your family had come with you, right? And they were out doing a ski day and you took your time <laughs> to come have breakfast with us. And I just was floored that the president of Allergan would skip a family ski day. And I think you maybe met him later in the afternoon, but to come sit down and have breakfast with just one of your customers, one of your clients, which it, it just speaks so highly to who you, who you are as a person and the company that you lead. You guys really have an amazing culture there. Well, thank you. That's an example of the work-life integration, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, here's a little secret. 
sometimes I like an excuse to get out and be with other people talking about business. You're like, sorry, mom's got a job she's got to do. Bye, guys. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Sometimes like, oh, I totally would. But I have work. What work? Oh, just just work. Don't ask. Just work. <laughs> So Carrie, what, as a kid, is this the vision that you had for yourself was corporate America? Was that your dream? Was this, how did you end up in this path that you're on? No. So when I was a little girl, my first memory of having a career ambition was I wanted to be the first female NBA referee. Okay. (laughs) Because my parents were huge Detroit Pistons fans. We were big fans. We'd watch all the time, have basketball parties, and I was really into it. And that didn't last long. I grew up a little bit more and realized that wasn't going to happen. But can you obviously see the link from NBA referee to aesthetics corporate America? I was like, well, that makes sense because most executives in the aesthetic world started in basketball. So (laughs) that's not even a unique story, Gary. (laughs) What happened was... When I was in college, nobody really, a lot of people I know don't know what they want to do, right? And I was in high school, I was in college, it was a spring break, and my uncle asked me to help volunteer and do some work for him over the spring break. And his job was that he ran an incentive travel company. So when you hear like, oh, the top sales rep Mm -hmm. wins a trip to Maui, he was the company that would put on the trip. Oh, cool. And and so it was in Maui. And I said, that was great. So I flew to Maui for the week and I put on my like yellow polo shirt with my name tag and my khakis. And I was in charge of sitting at a check-in table and checking the winners in. So this was a group of the top 10%, the best sales reps at the company. And they won this president's club trip to Maui. And they were, I was just so impressed by them. I mean, I was maybe 20 years old and they're coming in and they're so grateful. They're so polite. They're so happy. And I said to myself, I want to be on the other side of this table. And 10, 20 years, I want to be the one winning a trip like this. I want to be the one who worked so hard and and was top 10% of every sales rep that I get to be winning a trip like this. And, and that's what sparked my interest of getting into sales. And so right out of college, I took a sales job working for Pfizer, the makers of Lipitor, and was a sales rep in Providence, Rhode Island. At the time, it was one of the only territories that was hiring. I I grew up in California. I went to college in Colorado. I didn't have an ambition to be in Providence, Rhode Island, but that's where the job was. So that's where I went. And I'll say anyone who's interested in starting your career, sales, there's no better place to start than sales. And you're you at, at companies like healthcare companies, you get best in class training. It's exceptional training on science, on products, on business, on the art of selling. And that's really how I got my foot in the door with healthcare and pharma. And I just like I said, I can't recommend enough starting in sales. So that's how I got into sales. That's how I got into pharmaceuticals. And even then, though, I guess I never would have imagined I'd end up in aesthetics. Yeah. Was that progression from salesperson to president of global aesthetics? Was that a natural progression? Do you feel like, I guess my question is this, were you very purposeful about crafting this progression into where you are right now? Or was it some just opportunities that came your way? What and does that question make sense? Like how much did you have to drive this path as opposed to it being presented or created for you? So I've never 
over-engineered my career. Okay. I've personally never been someone with a vision board that says, right, okay. you know, this is where I am now and this is where I want to be in five, 10, and 20 years. I found my success has been, I put my head down. I work very, very hard. I have a good attitude and good results have come from that. And that's very high level summary. And we can talk about some of the details, but when it came from going from pharma to aesthetics, what happened was I was working at Pfizer for many, many years. I was in sales. I did a rotation in marketing in New York City, and that's where I fell in love with marketing. Um, sales there's is amazing, but it really takes a special person to get out there every morning, motivate themselves, get in their right. car, go visit their customers. You know, maybe they see the same customers every week or every month. And and I give the salespeople so much credit for their their grit and their customer focus. And what I loved about marketing is I had a broader impact. Instead of my territory, I could have a national or a global impact. I also had the opportunity to work with all sorts of experts in R&D, medical affairs, legal, HR. And after 11 years at Pfizer, Ben and I got married. We had Bridget in New York City. I just personally and professionally was looking for a change. And Allergan called me. And Allergan happened to be where I grew up in Irvine, California. So we made, uh, at the time, was a very risky move to move from an established career I had at Pfizer, which I can't say enough great things about that company. It was a really impressive company that did great things for me. But my husband also uh, worked in Wall Street. And for us to leave those things, to go to Irvine to work at Allergan was a big risk. But I just had this instinct about it. And the woman who hired me was one of those people, you know, one of those bosses that you'll never forget, right? Yeah. And I had the opportunity to go work on Botox, but not Botox cosmetic, Botox therapeutic. Which a lot of people don't realize that backstory, that Botox is a, I'm going to call it a medicine. I know that's the wrong word, but it's a therapeutic used for migraines and for muscle spasms. Cosmetic was a byproduct. So, okay, continue your story. I just don't think a lot of people realize that. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I mean, when we moved, we discovered that we were able to launch the product for its first cosmetic indication and and the rest is history. But when I moved to work on Botox for therapeutic use, it was for really very important indications like overactive bladder in neurology. I'm sure you've heard of chronic migraine. Mm -hmm. And that was very fulfilling for me. And even better, I like I said, this woman who hired me really helped to inspire more career moves for me. And she was one of those people that you can really relate to. She you know, had a husband who worked just like me. She had young kids the same age as me. We had a lot of the same interests and she inspired me to take on more and more. And when I had the opportunity after a few years on that side of the business to move to the aesthetics, I was all in. And I, what I always say about aesthetics is aesthetics is a bit of a one-way door. When you go into aesthetics, you never want to go back. It's just such a, it's just such a great business. And what I love about it is Medical aesthetics has the best of pharma and device, but also the best of consumer. The products are all meticulously developed, clinically proven, backed by science, FDA cleared or FDA approved. But instead of operating in a market that is defined by medical diagnosis, we get to work in a market that's quite unlimited, right? Yeah. Like we're all potential consumers of the product. And even better, I am a consumer of the yeah. product. So is my mom, my neighbor, my friends. And so it's personal. And it's yeah. it's a lot of fun to work in a business where you're making a difference and you're personal. I really am the target. 
Yeah, it's so fun. Everyone wants to ask you about it. Everyone wants to know. Everyone wants to come up and say, what do you think? And I'm constantly having to say, like, I'm not really an esthetician, but, <laughs> and I'm sure you get the same thing. You're like, well, I run the company, but I don't actually inject Botox, so. Exactly. But I can give them great recommendations of people to go to. Yes, exactly. I love something that you said early on that you're not someone that does the 5, 10, 20 year plan. You don't have a vision board. You just put your head down, work really hard and success comes. It's like, making my heart pound to hear you say that because I'm so the same way. I have never been somebody that, I don't want to say I don't believe in it because it works really well for some people, but the belief that you have to be someone that's super goal-oriented or super visionary, I think it inhibits a lot of people from going forward because they feel like, well, that that doesn't appeal to me. I'm not passionate. I don't do things that way. Therefore, I must not be a, a high achiever. I must not be a successful mindset type person. And I'm the same way. I'm just like, Put your head down, work really, really hard. And then when opportunities come, you'll feel them. You'll know when it's right. And my background actually is in corporate America. I was a consultant for Booz Allen for a long time. Well, not a long time, five years. That's not a long time. And it's just like opportunities come, but I think you'll agree, but it's just those opportunities come to the people who work the hardest and people who are so focused on the here and now doing what needs to be done here and now that they're not distracted by looking for the next opportunity. Does that resonate with you? One of my most successful friends says that the luckiest people tend to be the hardest working. (laughs) Right. I mean, hard work will will lead to good things. And and I I agree. I I think some people, it's a great plan. Some people are very motivated and they have a very clear linear plan. But it's not, and for me, it's about head down, working hard, trusting my leaders to look out for me. But also I take every single opportunity that comes my way. I take every rotation, special project, assignment, more, 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 because that helps and it's enriching and it helps me to build out areas that I might not have experiences. And we always talk about our career is not just a rocket ship up. It's like this lattice that goes sideways. And sometimes you have to go lateral a few times before you go back up. Yeah. And that was what's, what will give you those experiences to be more successful as a leader. I hear a lot of humility in what you're saying. I mean, you have every right to be extremely confident. And, and you are obviously a confident person. But I also hear a lot of humility in what you're describing. I mean, the willingness to take on extra projects so that you can learn. I admire that. Do you feel like humility is a key characteristic? Have you thought about that? Oh my goodness, your shirt says work hard and be humble. (laughs) Work hard, be humble. I love it. What what role do you think humility plays? Humility is an absolute number one characteristic for leaders at Allergy Anesthetics and in general. And um, we have at our business, we have something called the five H's and I'd love to share them with you because I found that they are the key characteristics that define all of the most successful people in our business. And as you think about your team and the team who takes care of you from our company, I'm sure this will really resonate. Mm -hmm. So number one is humble or humility. And we all, we're smart people, but we can all learn from each other and from a business standpoint, we do believe like we have the best market leading brands, but we still think we need to earn our customers business every single day. So humble is number one. Number two is happy. So we're in a happy business. This is a business of making people feel good. We love our customers. We love each other and we love our work. 
no drama, we're happy. Number three is humor. So we take our work seriously, but we don't take ourselves seriously. And like I said, with that work-life integration, we spend a lot of time with each other. Let's, let's smile and have a good time. Number four is honest. So we need to be honest from a business standpoint, be honest about our brands, be honest when it comes to compliance, and be honest with each other because we're a family. Families give each other tough feedback in the spirit of making each other better. So I said humble, happy, humor, honest, and then the last one is hustle. Okay. And hustle is like, don't make someone ask you twice. Be on your toes. Get out there. Give the customer a fast yes or a fast no. Take on more um, and move quick. So those are the five H's and and those are really the characteristics that I see the most successful people in our business exemplify. Okay. And I will absolutely back that up that every representative that we have had from Allergan that supports our business. And we work very, very close with all of our vendors. And Allergan is very, very involved in our success. They are not just someone that drops off product or that fulfills order. They are very, very integrated. I can absolutely say that the people that represent your company definitely embody those five H's. If, you, if you're listening in Elay's or Nima well, one of the things that sets us apart is our culture. And a lot of that company, uh, that culture, I have to say, comes from Allergan. You guys support us in a lot of training and you've been great examples to us in the type of people that, that make successful leaders, that make a successful business. So I, a lot of the culture that we have right now is driven by the education and training that we have received from your team, Carrie, for sure. And part of that is, I'm sure you've learned this as well, is hire for attitude, train for skill. Yep. (laughs) We always assume, of course, I mentioned these five H's and they are attitude-based. They all assume price of entry is you're very smart and you're good, right? That's price of entry. But that's not the differentiator. The differentiator are these five things that can't be trained. They're sort of in your DNA. You have them or you don't. Yeah, I love it. So corporate America can be a pretty challenging place to be. I mean, I had a small taste of it. It's been a long time, but I was in very, very, very large consulting companies for about five years. And it can be really hard. There's not a lot of, at least 20 years ago, there wasn't a lot of forgiveness. There wasn't a lot of, it's like you you grind, you just grind. It's, it's a challenging place to be. And I think probably, especially for a woman and probably especially when you're getting into the ranks that you are in where... There's probably fewer and fewer women that are willing to make the sacrifices to get into that position because it is a sacrifice. So what do you feel like are some of the personal and or professional obstacles that you have faced? What were some of the challenges in getting where you were now? Well, there's a few ways of thinking about that. One is, are there people that are role models that you can look to to say, is that, can, can this happen for me? Yeah. And I'll never forget when I was early in my career, I was at a women's leadership event at a big corporate at a big corporation. And there were really impressive, very high level women leaders that were speaking about their careers, about their obstacles. And although they were very impressive, none of them were me. And me being, I have a spouse who has a career that's just as important to him. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I didn't have kids at the time, but I wanted kids the women that were representing their careers, none of them were that. One of them had a husband and children, but her husband stayed home. Another one didn't have children. Another one uh, wasn't married. And I left that meeting thinking, 
I don't know if this can happen for me because my personal situation, I don't want to trade that off. I want to have this. My, my husband's job is important to him and I want to have children. And I left that meeting thinking I'll work hard, but perhaps I'll be somewhat limited. And then I met this woman named Lisa. And what's funny about Lisa is Lisa would not know who the heck I am. She would definitely not remember me or know me. She was just somebody who worked on the same floor as me. She ran a huge brand, big team, uh, a very important revenue driver for the business. She had a, her husband was a big time Wall Street guy. She had four kids all under the age of eight. And she rolled into work, right? She was one of the first ones in every morning with a big smile on her face. And she did a great job. And I was like, there. That if she can do it, I can do it. And she didn't even know about this impact she made on me. And yet it made a huge impact. And it helped inspire me to think it can be done. And people say, if you can see it, you can be it. And I think that's very important, especially International Women's Day is right around the corner. And this idea of role modeling is so important. You just, you never know who needs you as a role model. You don't know why or where or who, but we all are role models. And that's why I think it's such an important story because I was at this big women's leadership event and it was great, but they weren't the ones who inspired me. It was just this woman on the floor who was living her life and it, it changed me forever. That is a really awesome story. It's driving home for me the importance of something that's really prevalent in our in our social conversations right now, which is diversity. And it's interesting to come from your perspective. You're a white woman, privilege, all of those things. And even for you, it was so important for you to have someone that was so specifically like you to be inspiring. And I, I get that too. You do. You see these other women and there's these elements of their life that are not yours and it automatically discounts them as a as a role model. And it's just making me kind of really realize how important it is to have such a diversity of men and women and ethnicities and ages and races and religions and orientations and all of those things in all places, because everybody does need somebody that can they can match up with one for one yeah. and say, yeah, that is me and I can do that. It's this, I work with Girls Inc. and that's one of their mantras is if you can see it, you can be it. Yeah. And that's why it is so important to have mentors and role models. And I, I love your point about men is that men are a part of the solution. Yeah. And we can't really achieve, and when it comes to gender parity, we can't achieve it without the support of men. And so many of my best mentors and advocates have been men. My husband is one of the biggest advocates for women that I know of for my daughter, and he's the biggest cheerleader I have. And so I agree. It's also about finding the similarities, not mm -hmm. just the differences. So. Yeah. When I think about men and women, how it's affected my career, I think of it more like, how do I find the similarities with the men I work with? Whether mm -hmm. it be, oh, hey, we both joined the company six months ago and we were in the same training class, or we both have kids in the same grade, or we both like live music. Like, let's find the things that bring us together versus really focusing on the things that set us apart. Do you feel like being a woman has been a disadvantage, an advantage, or neutral for you in your career path? Well, running an aesthetics business, it's absolutely a positive. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. yeah so who better to run an aesthetics business than a woman? And that's not to say men aren't a very important part of the team, but I, I do think it's, it's a great uh, majority of our patients are women, although we'd love to bring more men into medical aesthetics and the majority of our customers are women as well. But I, I like I said, I don't see it as men versus women. Okay. I have had every opportunity that I have wanted in my career. And it's all about me 
taking those opportunities. So when I was at Allergan, I was pregnant with my second child, Henry. I was literally nine months pregnant and I was interviewing for a promotion. And I was sitting there doing the interview and I was like, well, you look at me, you understand I'm going to, if I, if you give me this job, I'll be gone for three or four months. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even blink. And the hiring manager said, if you're the right person for the job, you're going to get this job in three or four or five months. That's not a problem. And that's exactly what happened. And I, I got a big promotion, nine months pregnant, and it just made me love my company more than ever. And then I leaned into it. And we use this expression leaning in. And I, I actually really like it because when when you have an opportunity, you should lean into it and take it. And guess what? If it doesn't work, that's fine. And that's yeah. what my husband would always tell me is that sometimes I'd say, well, maybe it's not a good time. He said, just do it. Just do it. And if after a few months, it's not the right thing, then we can try something else. And so for me, being a woman hasn't been the factor. It's been that I accept and embrace every extra responsibility, you know, role, promotion that I can. So I want to pull a little bit of a lesson out of what you're saying, because I, I completely agree with you. I've had people that interview me and they want, they always want to hear like, how have you overcome being a woman? And my approach is, I or my belief, I think is kind of what you're saying is that it's not about whether or not you're a man or a woman. It's about, are you making yourself the right candidate? Are you taking those opportunities? And so I would think that you probably are saying that same thing, right? That you could fall back and make excuses for, I didn't I didn't get the promotion because I was pregnant or I didn't apply because I was pregnant or, or whatever it is. But it's a little more about, are you making yourself the person that they want, even if you have to take three months off? Exactly. I, Carrie, you said it perfectly. And it's not without sacrifice. Yeah. yeah. I miss out on a lot of things. I miss out on tons of soccer games and parent-teacher conferences. I miss out on things. That's for anyone. That's for men. That's for women. There, If you have a career that you are committed to, there will be trade-offs. But I don't miss out on the things I can't miss out on. I will not miss a birthday, for instance. There are certain pivotal moments that are just very important. And of course, the company understands that. So let's go into that personal element of this career a little bit here. I think for me, the fact that I've been able to be successful in the career path that I've chosen, I can attribute a huge amount of that success to Matt, Matt, my husband, because he is encouraging. He is supportive. He doesn't make it sound like it's a sacrifice to have a working wife. He absolutely goes to the grocery store, runs to Costco, picks up the kids, takes work off if I can't. I mean, he is equal in every way in our career. Just talk about the role that your husband has, because you said he's got a very high level career. He was a hedge fund manager, investor. Yes. And his careers are very important to him. So we never had a scenario where one person would stay home. Our scenario was always, we would both do the work that was important to us and meaningful to our family. And that's the balance, the balance that we have right now. Ben, like I said, Ben is by far my biggest cheerleader. Ben believes in me more than I do sometimes. Ben pushes me to take on every opportunity and reminds me, hey, Carrie, remember when you took that job five years ago and you thought it would be too hard? Now look at you now. Mm -hmm. And so I take that. I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky to have such a supportive family. My children, although they don't like it when I leave sometimes, I know they're proud of me. And one of our neighbors told me the other day that my daughter was bragging about me to her friend and about how proud she was of me about my work. And, and so that, that's how I know that we're doing something right. And I give that advice to my friends and, and other P 
people who are starting their career, which is make sure you surround yourself by people who are really rooting for you, not just tolerating it, Mm -hmm. but really for you, whether it's a spouse, whether it's your friends, because I do have friends where their, their, their support network is just kind of putting up with it, Mm -hmm. not really rooting for them. And there's a big difference. And one of my favorite quotes, especially in advance of International Women's Day is, Behind every successful woman is a tribe of other successful women who have her back. So if you don't have that tribe, you need to get one. Yeah, that's kind of one of the the goals of this podcast is to kind of help people see that vision of what it means to have supportive women. I would say that every career woman that I've interviewed on this, that is one of their messages that is so important to surround yourself with people who are like-minded, who understand where you're going. And the spouse or the significant other, whatever that role is, is such a critical piece of it. Do you think that there's a way to, I mean, maybe you were lucky with Ben and I'm lucky with Matt and they just came that way and they just understand it. I don't know. Maybe we forced it on them and they didn't have a choice. I'm not sure. But do you think that there's a way to kind of create that scenario if it didn't start out that way? If it, if you didn't, if you got married and now you're like, okay, now I want to start a career. Now I want to go back to school. Now I want to start a business. Are there conversations that you think you can have to send it down that path? I don't know if it's possible to control that or if that's something that's bigger than us. I'll say with Ben, I mean, he had great parents, very successful mom and dad. And for us, it was just always in the cards. When we met, I had already had a career that was in its its, uh, infancy. When he when he met me, he knew that's what he was signing up for. So perhaps it's just about being transparent from the beginning. Yeah, I, I like that though. I think it is about being transparent. And if you didn't do it in the beginning, start doing it now, right? Start being honest about what your needs are and, and what's going to fulfill you. I agree with you that I think that living up to your own internal potential, doing those things that make you passionate can also make you or do make you a better mom. So let me ask you kind of about that. You said you miss a lot of things, but you won't miss the important things. How have you found that, I'm going to use that word balance, how have you struck a balance there between missing a lot of things and not missing the important things? What are the things that you are are non-negotiable for you? Birthdays are Mm non-negotiable at this age. Eight and 11, birthdays are a really big deal. There's a lot of buildup for weeks and months in advance of the birthday. So I will not miss a birthday. Like I said, I try to I try to protect every day that period in the morning where I can help Mm -hmm. them get out the door. And other than that, when I'm traveling, we FaceTime, we make sure my daughter has access to a phone. So if she knows, she always can reach me. Mm -hmm. So no matter what, that mom is only text or a call away. And, And that's how we make it work. Every day is different. Every day brings a new set of challenges. Like today, for instance, my husband had a a business trip that popped up very short notice. And so it means that I'll be leaving today at three o'clock to go pick up my son. And and that's okay. We make it work. Have you felt the mom guilt? Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) I feel horrible. Mom guilt is 100% controlled by yourself, though. And I, I have to indulge in it every once in a while. It's like when you kind of want to watch a sad movie to make yourself cry. Yes. I kind of need to indulge in mom guilt every once in a while. And that's where my tribe of other moms and mm-hmm. working moms, that, that tribe I mentioned that we have each other's back. There's nothing better than just sending a quick text to that text chain of other moms where we complain about what bad moms we are. And then I let them yes. 
me feel better. (laughs) Yeah, totally, totally. It is driven by you, but I will also say your kids, and about the age that your kids are, they start realizing that they can actually inflict it, right? When, When they're little, it's all us, right? We, we create it. When they get about where your kids are, they're like, ooh, if I say this, it's going to make mom really hurt and I can drive out home. <laughs> what they've learned is while I'm on a conference call or a Zoom at home, they know that I can't be bothered. And that's when they come to me and ask, can I use the iPad? Can I have dessert? Because they all just say, yes, yes, sure, go, go, go. Totally. Can I just get in your wallet and take all the cash, mom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm constantly like muting my muting my Zoom meeting, screaming at my children, and then unmuting. <laughs> I'm sure every once in a while someone's gotten a snippet of my rage going at my teenagers. But <laughs> I will say too, though, the mom guilt gets better in that as your kids get older, I think that they transition more away from feeling like they're being asked to make sacrifices because mom has to go to work into more of that admiration. My I have my daughter really wants to be on my podcast and I keep telling her I, I will do it. I need to do it. She really wants to be on there to talk about what it's like to have a working mom. Ooh, I'd love to hear that one. I know. I need to get around. Well, she's trying to convince her brothers that they should come on with her because she doesn't want to do it herself. My boys are not quite so interested in doing that. They think that's really lame. But I'm kind of excited to do that because I want to hear from a kid's perspective, like, what did you feel was, was a sacrifice in having a working mom versus what was a benefit? Let me ask you that question, Carrie. What do you think for kids, from your kid's perspective, what did they have to sacrifice? Like, what did they miss out on? And then what are the benefits of having a working mom? Well, the sacrifice is fewer hours in the day with me. I'd say playdates, for instance. Mm -hmm. They often happen at somebody else's house. Yeah. As I'm not there to host the playdate. I will very purposely try to schedule playdates and carve out time to be there, whether it's a certain afternoon I can be home or on the weekend, because I really want the kids to be able to host children in our home. I want the other moms to know that I have a home where they can trust their children to be safe and looked out for. Definitely things like drop-offs and pickups. I don't know the teachers as well as the rest of the moms do. And so to make up for that, I try to have one-on-one conferences, emails, just so I can build a relationship with them in, in a way that works for my schedule. The benefits are absolute independence. Our kids, I think, are able to develop a little bit more independence, less reliance on their parents. They know that their parents are always there for them, but they also know that they're capable of doing things on their own. And I do hope the role modeling is something that whether or not it, they know what's happening now, it's, it's affecting them deeply so that as they're older, they have this, you know, innate role modeling, whether they're, uh, and I take that seriously for my daughter and my son. I want my Mm. son to know that women can hold all the same roles as men. And that's Mm. just as important as for my daughter to know that as it is my son. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. All right. So let's talk a little bit about your leadership style and the inspirations that you try and bring to your team. And I think some of the inspirations that are important for other working women to hear. So for at Allergan, one of your, or your, your core motto is your practice is our purpose. So what, what does that mean to you internally with your team? What does that mean to you as a, as a working woman? Let's start with your team. What is your practice, our purpose? How does that relate to your team and the people that you lead? 
your practice, our purpose is important for our team because it gives them a very clear rallying cry to be focused on their customers. That's the most important thing we can do. Of course, there's internal work and corporate work that has to be done, but we won't drive a business unless our customers are successful. And so when our customers are successful and they're able to uh, drive their business goals, they'll use more of our products and our success will follow. So that's that very simple business model that we have to be externally focused. And that's really what our team enjoys. Like that's the work they like to do is being out there hand in hand with their customers. Another important principle we have specific to aesthetics is empowering confidence. Empowering confidence is so important because it's a mindset shift for aesthetics from beauty Mm -hmm. to confidence. And beauty is a very big part of confidence for some people. It is. And it's important. And it's very important. And empowering confidence to us, we look at it three ways. One is, of course, our patients. And it's exactly what you just said, the importance of, of beauty and being able to take control of that for our patients. Number two is about our customers. So we want our customers to have the confidence that they have the best brands, the highest quality supply chain backed by data and science. They have the confidence that they can take care of their patients with our products. And number three, it's about empowering confidence with our employees and our colleagues. And what we mean by that is they have the confidence to achieve their personal and professional ambition by working here at Allergan. Yeah. Our tagline and has been for like six, seven years is empowering you. So I'm pretty sure you stole that from us, but you're welcome. I did see that on a billboard when I was in recently. And I was like, Carrie and I have a shared brain. I really think we do. And I know you guys just, the empowering confidence tagline, you just started putting it on some of your materials. And I was like, I am so honored that I got it so right that Allergan (laughs) wanted to use a very similar tagline. But those three elements are exactly the way that we apply that concept of empowering you. From our customers to our employees, we want to empower people with confidence. I saw in an interview you did that one of your favorite books and also my favorite book is, one of my favorite books is Start With Why by Simon Sinek. So this idea of why, of having your why, it's all related to money can only drive you so far, right? I always look at it as money is a shifting target. It never sits still. No matter what you make, you always want to make more, which is great. That's not a criticism. But money is not really a driver. If it's your driver, I believe you're going to be unhappy. You're going to burn out. You are never going to feel fulfilled if money is your driver. But this idea of having a why is really more about like, a bigger purpose. Why do you love that? How do you think that I, that concept is important for women to hear or anybody to hear? Start with why is exactly why we developed that your practice, our purpose motto. I, I, I read that book and many other people in the leadership team did. And we we're thinking, well, what is our team's why? Mm-hmm. And like you said, there's, there's, everyone gets paid. There's career potential. We work on great brands, but that's not really what builds a culture. And that's how we, based on talking to our team and doing, you know, a lot of market research and brainstorming, it became very clear. It was about this external focus, just being hand in hand with our customer. And then it's also about confidence and empowering confidence. That's a mission everyone wants to get on board with. And the other concept I love is this concept of discretionary energy. Okay. So, so, you know, what? one thing that's been key to my career is I work really hard. I take on everything and I work on the weekends because it's this integration that I have. And, and that's because I, I'm all in. Like, I can't just be 
working nine to five. If I'm in, I'm all in. And discretionary. So I have this company has tapped into my discretionary energy. So they pay me to work, right? Like whatever, eight to five, five days a week. But they're getting a lot more out of me because they're getting to this discretionary energy, which is the energy that you don't, that's not a part of your of your, of your job description. Yeah. It's like the energy you get to choose where it goes, right? Exactly. And that's because you love your team, you love your customers and you're passionate about your work. And that's the secret sauce is how do we tap into all of our team's discretionary energy so that they are giving us more than we have them signed up for. Oh, I love that. I love how you've put that concept into words because that's so important. I've never thought of it that way of tapping into their discretionary energy. That's amazing. I love it. All right, Carrie, I could sit here and ask you a thousand more questions. I want all your advice, all your wisdom, but I've already taken a lot of your really valuable time. So let's kind of wrap it up with big picture. What would be some of the messages that you would want to give to someone who wants to follow a career path similar to yours, because I will say that it's not a common career path. We, we see the women like you, that you're on TV, you're in the magazines, you have the accolades, but really to get to your level, it, it's rare. It's uncommon, right? Most women are going to tap out somewhere early. And, and again, not to be critical of that, it's, it's a choice for everybody. But what would you give to a woman who wants to go down your career path of corporate America, big jobs, leadership, stress, <laughs> all of it? Here's my advice. I have two pieces of advice. One is go all in. If you're going to work, you might as well go all in with your work. And practically, this means long hours. It means you're going to miss out on things here and there. And emotionally, it means you're always going to be thinking about your work. It means you're going to care a lot. You might lose sleep every once in a while about your team or your work. But but that's because you care and that's because you love it. And that's because you're all in. And of course you can't train yourself to be this way, but when you're passionate about the people you work with and your purpose, then your discretionary energy will be triggered and you'll really be all in. And so that's one thing is for me, I can't just have a job that's here and there. It's like, if you're going to work, be all in. Otherwise yeah. it's too much of a trade-off for me to wait, be away from my darling family. Yeah. It's just a sacrifice, right? The, the other piece of it, the reward, the fulfillment doesn't come if you're not all in. It's just pure sacrifice. Right. And then number two is about supporting each other. And this sounds like it was a theme from other women that you've talked to, but I'd say support each other regardless of gender, support each other, no matter what root for each other, not against each other. So it doesn't have to be a cutthroat culture. There's not just room at the top for one queen bee. Root, be, celebrate somebody else's success. When, when somebody else does something great, send them a quick text or an email and just say, hey, I saw what you just did and that was really good. So don't be afraid to just proactively support each other versus just you know feeling like you're doing it. Take that extra step to tell somebody what a great job they're doing. And like I said, especially when it comes to women, this is so important because behind every successful woman is a tribe of other successful <laughs> Thank you so much. I have really, <laughs> really enjoyed talking to you. Like I said, I could do this for hours and just pick your brain on all of your wisdom. But thanks so much for taking your time. Thanks for sharing everything with us, Carrie. I appreciate it. Thank you, Carrie. Well, Carrie, you are an ultimate role model in aesthetics and in general. You're very kind about credentialing me in aesthetics, but I'd say what you have accomplished in aesthetics from a training standpoint, from a business standpoint, from a cultural standpoint is an absolute role model. 
And you do it all while being a mom and a wife and a friend and very relatable and beautiful. And I just want to know what's the secret to your success? Oh, man. Shoot, I didn't even prepare for this one. (laughs) You're really nice to say all of that. Honestly, Carrie, I think, God, there's so many pieces to it. But I think I'm going to really echo a lot of what you just said is that for me, it's that why, right? That's been that book, the start with why, that concept is the core to all of the trainings that we do in, in our new higher orientations. It's always about here's the Allays why and the NEMA why, and trying to make sure that the people on our team align their personal whys or those are symbiotic together. I think for me, it's about passion. I don't do what I do because of the money. That's, it's great. It is great, but it has never been a driver for me or for Matt. I really do believe that financial reward is a byproduct of personal reward. And so I do what I do because I love the women I work with. I love developing people. I love, it's kind of a joke in our company. I love pushing people sometimes to the point of tears. (laughs) But I, I love watching people do things that a couple months ago they never thought they could do. I just, like to me, I have so much passion behind helping people and women specifically because that's the career we're in and it's wonderful. And so I think if you have that really strong why, that really strong driver behind you, that's what's going to get you over those humps. We didn't spend time talking about it for you, but I'm sure we could do 20 podcasts on the challenges and hard times and crap that you've gone through to get where you are. And We've experienced the same things. It's not all fun. But it's like having that passion and that why gets you over the professional humps. It gets you over the personal humps. It gets you over the mom guilt humps. It kind of just is that like, it's almost like you're, you're tethered to something, if you will. It's like there is something that is pulling you so hard that even when you just like sit on your closet floor and cry and go, I want to quit. I want to sell this stupid company. I'm done. And I know you've done that. I know you have. It just like you get up and keep going and then you get to come in and work with these amazing people and you're like, okay, I love what this brings in my life. So I think that's why I'm so passionate about like this podcast is, I wish every woman out there, person, I'm going to say every person, could figure out what their driving passion is. Because when you find that, it really propels you. It really keeps you going. So I think that's it. It's just finding a real love for what you're doing and having a huge why behind it. So I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me, Carrie. You are amazing. I can't wait to see you again. Thanks, Carrie. Thanks so much for having me. for joining us for another episode of She's Simply Amazing. If you are loving this podcast and getting so much out of it, please help us grow it. You can subscribe to the podcast and share each episode that you love. You can join our community on Instagram by following at Simply Amazing Podcast. And please, please, if you're loving this, go leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. Those reviews really help us grow. We'll see you next week.